Welcome back to The Sacred Life, a soulful, sensual, and sacred exploration for women. I'm Shan Vanderleek, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with writer, director, and storyteller, Christina Dunbar. I've been connected with Christina on social media for over a decade now, and have admired her work and voice ever since. And today we're going to be digging into the importance of drawing up the repressed stories women hold in our bodies and expressing every word to free ourselves as we learn to dance with the wild feminine. Christina Dunbar is the creator of She Takes the Stage, a program that's produced over 40 stories and numerous solo shows for women. She currently works with speakers, storytellers, and leaders and uses performance tools to help clients captivate from the stage. As an artist, Christina is prepping to tour her one-woman show, Dirty Me Divine, which has been shared with sold-out audiences in L.A., Boston, and San Francisco. Welcome to This Sacred Life, Christina. Yay! Yay! I'm so glad you said yes, 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 yes. So we must begin with your story. We must begin with the snapshot of your Dirty Me Divine journey, which is so juicy and interesting. And yeah, dive in. Thank you. Yes. So Dirty Me Divine is a one woman show that I started to tour that was birthed and came from a lot of pain. And it's really my story of going from good girl to a woman that is able to share my voice and the most vulnerable parts of my story, which I did in Dirty Me Divine, because really it takes you through a journey of my life as a stripper. And I began stripping, living in LA, just running out of money. And, and people were like, hey, why don't you try to dance? Why don't you try to strip? You'll make a lot of money here. And so I went for it. And I actually got stuck in that world, the underworld, the underground world of dancing, because A, the money was good, but B, I was also hiding from what I really wanted to do which I know sounds weird because stripping, you're naked, right? You're like, right, right. Visible, but I was actually not being seen in my life. And it was partly because I had a deep, deep fear of being visible. And that came from a very young age and feeling like I didn't belong in the world, partly because I'm Russian Jewish. That's my background. I didn't even speak English at first. But a bigger part of it was, I think, that I was really sensitive and creative and very philosophical. I thought about death a lot at a young age and wanted to know about life and death. And I was just like, why aren't other kids interested in this stuff, right? Like, I was just <laughs> always on the outside looking in and hated going up in front of a class to give a speech, like did not want to be seen at all. And then stripping made it that much worse because there's so much shame around our bodies, around sexuality, around the taboo. I didn't know what to do with all, all of that. Once I started dancing, it start, I started to internalize it and it became physical pain in my ovaries. And I started to feel depressed. I started to feel like I was just shit and no one would ever appreciate me. I'd never get to follow my dreams. I knew there was something more, but I didn't know how to get out of this world. And, and you're not, you're not from LA originally, right? Like you went there to become an actress, correct? Correct. Yes. I'm from Seattle. 
what up Seattle people? I'm from the rainy <laughs> city of Seattle, moved to LA to pursue my artist career. And that also was sucky because you're in this industry that is run by men. And I was also playing this role of the cute, sweet, sexy girl in that. Right. In that area of my life. And so I was like, who, well, who am I really? Like there's all this soul inside of me, but people perceive me this way, a certain way, society, what will society think about my stripper, stripper story? And the more I began to hate myself, the more I started to really dive into emotional healing and shame. And what is that about? And really started to learn about freeing our voices and how shame can't shine in the light. And right. So the idea came to me, what if I started talking about the thing that I actually wanted no one to know about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, the, and then the whole world flipped upside down. I mean, you just, I, I remember watching it come together for you, you know, yes. from the outside. Look, I did. I remembered. I'm like, wow, the courage in this one. And, mm. and then just the way that you carry yourself and the way there is no way I would have ever known what you were feeling that sparked the flame to create Dirty Me Divine and your, your journey of healing. Yeah, I'll never forget one time I was because I, I stripped in Vegas because you make more money there than you do in L.A. So I would drive or fly. I remember one time flying. And I was always calling myself the spiritual stripper because <laughs> I would read all these spiritual books on the way to, to work while I was flying. And I was reading a Carolyn Mace book and she, there was a passage in there about how we're all born with a knife. We're given a knife and it's, we can turn that knife on ourselves and cut ourselves with it. Or we can turn it out into the world and create beautiful sculptures and make something with this knife. And it's really our choice. And for me, the metaphor was the knife is, it, it, I mean, it can mean many different things. But for me, it's like, what is the thing that was really, that I think is the worst thing about my life? That I, I mean, I really thought, I, like, I remember flying and saying, I wish this plane would crash. It was that bad yeah. because I was there for so long and I couldn't get out. And when I read that passage about that knife, it was literally like, I know they talk about light bulb moments. I had one where it oh, was yeah. ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Well, when, I hear you, when I hear you talk about the knife, I see a cord cutting. I see you cutting the cord from that life. Like that. Yeah. And I just, I just visioned, I thought to myself, this story will not go untold and I don't know how. I will reach other women and I will also heal some part of myself. Yeah. Which is not for nothing. Right. Makes me just think of um, when I hear the words, be a good girl. I just, I just like throw up a little in my mouth and remember when I was young and my energy would fill the room and spill out into the neighborhood. And it, it just never occurred to me that I needed to be good or that I needed to be quiet or that I didn't need to, you know, that I needed to be something other than, than who I was, because thankfully at home I could be, I wasn't asked to, to quiet down. It wasn't until I 
got out in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, as each year ticked on, my unfiltered nature earned me nicknames like Prima Donna and Motormouth mm-hmm. and Who Does She Think She Is? Mm-hmm. And it, uh, over time, really does a number on you. Oh, it does. It's such a, it's such a brainwashing and there's trauma, sometimes large, large, heavy, sometimes more subtle because it's just something that keeps coming up. Like if you keep keep being called prima donna over and over and over again, every time you think you're shining, what does that do to a spirit? What does that do to someone's sense of confidence? And I know that so many women have had some kind of trauma, patriarchal trauma. Oh, yeah. 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 Right? When when that so, when that first started coming out, I think I was probably I was probably only like second or third grade. And I hmm. stopped. I was playing the flute. It was it was a band teacher. And I stopped and I never picked up another instrument again. Okay. I mean, I, I, I do it as an adult, I do. You know, I have a I have a drum and I have my I love my tambourine and my husband thinks I'm absolutely insane sometimes because that tambourine just gets picked up and I run through the house like a wild woman. <laughs> my tambourine but but really that's just one example I mean there's millions of examples of how we get labeled and then what we do when we are and I feel like so many of us have trapped little girls that are our essence Mm -hmm. that if we could learn how to let her out a little bit more and it has to do with safety we don't feel safe We've been attacked, we've been violated, we've been hurt, we've been hushed, you know, so there's, there's a lot around using your voice that women, the layers that women have to go through to do that soul work that I know you do with women, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How are you helping women express themselves? I know you're doing it by example, of course, but what is your calling right now in this? It started off really working with creatives, creative women and having them, I was producing stories for them. And I was creating a program where they were invited to share stories that they might have never ever uttered out loud, which Mm -hmm. is a really scary thing to say yes to. Right. Uh, But the women that came in on some level knew that there were stories that were holding them back because they hadn't been hurt. They hadn't been seen. They hadn't been witnessed. No one had said to them, yes, this happened to you. Uh, Because we all hear the the mantra, oh, don't stay stuck in your story. Like that's Mm. so popular in the personal growth world. And so what happens is a lot of us actually skip over the yeah. part where we do share the story. And this, this program was an opportunity to share a story from your own voice, no matter what happened to you by another man or wh- whoever, a sister or whatever happened, right? Like where somebody right. was hurting you in some way. It's a chance to tell the story from your voice and really become the author. And I, I did this with women and I watched their lives change. Oh, um, yeah. It makes, so, me, it makes me think of uh, when the Me Too movement mm-hmm. became, when it kind of blew up. And 
how many stories were coming forward. It was like a short period of time. I mean, I hope it's longer than a short period of time, but it felt like a, it, it felt like a window for a period of time where women felt empowered to share their stories. And as heartbreaking as they were and my own mm-hmm. stories and your stories and, and they went on and on and, and how that was being received. And there was still even that pockets of communities that were still shaming the women coming forward. Or I had a heartbreaking, do I want to say that? Mm. I do want to say that. I had a shocking moment with my mom when she found out through somebody else, through somebody else on Facebook, because she's not on there, that I, that I had my own stories. Mm-hmm. And her biggest question was, did this happen on my watch? Mm. It wasn't. And I, thought, I found that to be so interesting. Mm-hmm. As if it was okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, like oh, yeah. if, if it didn't happen under my roof, then, oh, thank heavens, yeah. as if it would take her off the hook or something. And I, and I love my mama. I have a good relationship with her. But that question blew my mind and blew my fucking mind. And, <laughs> and at that time, so while that's going on, you're doing this work. You're telling the stories. Women are coming forward. I mean, this is a, a wonderful time to be alive, to be a woman, to be alive, and to be able to, to learn how to speak our truth. Yeah, I'm so sorry. The whole mama thing, I feel you. And it makes me think of how we instantly as women go to, was it my fault? Yes. Like your mom wasn't, she, like you said, she didn't ask, wait a minute, are you okay? Or da, da, da. It's, it's, we is it my fault? go to, yeah. am I wrong? Yeah. Right. Did I not protect you? Did I not take care of you? Mm -hmm. And, and she was always, uh, and she was always so grateful that I was such a badass that I would absolutely slay you if you messed with me. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we know what that was too. That was, that was that armor. Ah, so back to your, so back to, so you have over 40 women that you've worked with. Oh, I'm, more and more and more. I think that's an old bio. The the I've worked with um, hundreds, hundreds of women at this yeah. point. What it has turned into is now virtual circles and working with women that aren't necessarily artists or maybe don't relate to that term, mm-hmm. uh, but feel like some part of their voice has been frozen, and they want to get it out. And they want to connect to their, I call it the soul-led voice. Mm-hmm. And I love Marianne Woodman's work. Who oh, yeah. talks about soul being both human and divine, which I feel like so many women are taught to miss out on the human part. What is real and messy and, and not pretty and not polished body stuff, sexual stuff. Yeah. anxiety stuff, past trauma, all of these things that we hold inside. And it's, it's weight and yeah. it's heavy. And I've been through that so many times where I've held back 
Yeah. Most recently, I, I had a, a whole nervous breakdown, I think five months ago. <laughs> yeah. Because I, w- I didn't realize I was still holding on to certain stories or emotions. And so what did I do? I started talking about it. Not right away. And this doesn't work for everybody. I'm not saying spill your gut yeah. to the world. But for me, it's very cathartic yeah. when my soul tells me to, to share. To, right. to share and to connect to other women and, and have them go, oh my God, that's happening to me too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's like the quote that you shared with me from Muriel Ruckheiser. What yes. would happen if one woman told the truth about her life? The world would split open. It's bumps. Goose bumps. Honestly. I can't. I'm like shaking. Yes. Well, we see what happens with me too. When you are, you take that step forward and you're so nervous and you're so shaky, but something is telling you, speak it. Yeah. Speak it out loud. And you do that as a woman, you never know who you're inspiring, who you're, and it's a ripple effect. And I see it all the time in my circles. Every time somebody is brave and vulnerable someone else goes, Oh, wait a minute. I'm not alone. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I can talk about that too. Oh, wait a minute. If she's that brave, maybe I can be that brave and yeah. we sort of straighten up our spines and lift our heads and become women step yeah. out of little girl and good girl and become women. Yeah. Yes. This past <laughs> fall, I, had my matriarchal initiation and had been working for about a year, well, probably more than that, but uh, cutting the cord with my daughter as she was moving on and, and starting her new life at school and, and really redefining who, who I want to be now from the, the mother place. I knew it wasn't going, I wasn't ready to be a crone and absolutely have been a queen longer than anything else. So I decided to, to uh, put that crown on and leave it there and figure out just exactly what does that mean? And how do I get to be in that sovereign space? And it's been such a journey. And it continues, of course, just because you do the gateway work and have the have the ceremony and initiation, that's kind of the start of it, you know, but that good girl piece, that girl piece, the all of that now, I, I look at it so, so much differently. I still, I look at that, I look at it with love and understanding, but uh, I also will not accept being treated like a girl or a good girl or a cute girl or that, you know, we, we came into this world, blonde haired, blue eyed with big boobs and long legs, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's things that come with that as well. Your, your Barbie video, just, oh my God, I just, I was just rolling, <laughs> loving that so much. And, that, and that's the thing, because our, our packaging also is, this is a part of our packaging, the way that our bodies show up in the world and the things that we do and how we hide them or how we flaunt them, or mm-hmm. is it too much? Is it not enough? Mm-hmm. How about the shame? Ooh, what if you happen to be, have a, a very healthy sexual Life as a young woman, oh, does that make you a slut? Does that make you a whore because you like sex? You know, blah, blah, blah. Right. (laughs) 
And it goes back to religion. It goes back totally. to the man, the white man talking about what what women are and aren't supposed to do. And mm-hmm. Anything that's natural, you know, Joseph Campbell talks about this. Anything that's natural, especially in our Western culture, is looked at as something to be feared or conquered. And yeah. a woman is nature. And so we are looked at as something to be conquered and or feared. And at the same time, we're taught, as you say, to be chosen and end up waiting lifetimes for a lie. That, yes. Well, hello. I have been there (laughs) so many times, starting from young girl and Russian Jewish mama get the picket fence and the good husband and do, you know, do that whole thing, right? Get chosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was on a different wavelength. He was into Joseph Campbell and a rebel, and I could go into a whole story about him, but it would probably take up a lot of time. He was, and I love both of them. Yes. Uh, Papa was the soulmate that really got me. And yeah, that idea of be chosen and then coming to LA, okay, be chosen again for a role. And it just, it's constantly like, wait to be picked, wait to mm-hmm. wait for that permission, wait for that, that wink, that green light. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're in that princess, we wait for the green light. And when we're in queen, we give it. Yes. And it's a whole consciousness shift and it's subtle. It's, and it it's really back. It comes yeah. back up for me. Yeah. And it's like, nope. Not waiting for whoever, my husband to tell me it's good, a friend to tell me to go for it. No, if this is the thing my soul is calling for, I've got to kind of push that creative force and take the action, take responsibility for the thing I say I want. That discernment piece, choice, and one of the things that's been coming up for me over the last five years is the, the warrior piece, because that being on alert for as long as I was, I had to learn how to put my sword and shield down Mm -hmm. while remembering that I absolutely know how to wield them. And that has been such a great teaching because the softer woman that I am now, I love her. I'm so grateful that I have found this. But for a while was tricking me into thinking that that meant weakness, mm-hmm. <laughs> softness, weakness. Where is that coming from? You know, mm-hmm. and really being able to disassemble that and say, oh, oh no, this is discernment. This so is cool. wisdom. It's so good. I'm just, I'm eating up your words. <laughs> <laughs> We're not one thing. We no. are not one thing. And that's another brain trap that is easy to get spun into. Yeah. That, And also when we're learning a new skill, like you learning to be soft. And for me, it was more learning to pick up the sword even more and really have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's been coming up in the last few years and it's really been a practice and sometimes you lean in too far when you're learning that new skill or yeah you know or you fuck it up or you hurt somebody and yep 
and 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 not it doesn't mean that my softness still isn't there no um, no and it doesn't mean that i now have this label of warrior it's like all of it right we're 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 the face of the feminine which is everything yes, yes. it's so beautiful i think about the snake that is this symbolism came up for me after after I had my big nervous breakdown and I had a visioning session with a woman named Carol Woodliffe, who is awesome. And she took me through this vision and I kept seeing snakes and I, I have a connection to snake, that, that serpent energy. And I was thinking about how they're so watery in the way they're, they, they move. It's so sensual, mm-hmm. right? And like mm-hmm. slippery, but then they also have that flick of the tongue. They have that spice. It can bite you. And so I was really checking in. Okay, where am I? Do I have both? Do I have these qualities? Am I balanced in both of them? Am I too watery, too flowy? Or am I biting too much? At that point, it was like, oh, I'm I'm too watery. I want more of that flick. Being very clear with my voice when I draw my boundaries and not apologizing for them. And not even, and I don't, I don't mean vocally apologizing. I mean, energetically. Sure, sure. Never apologizing. And then of course the, the shedding of the skin, I mean, which, which is what um, the, the snake energy and this snake conversation is what really drew me back into your world online. Because at Mm -hmm. the time I had just been through the initiation and we found a two and a half, three foot long snake skin in the wood pile as we were building the fire for my lodge. And so it's on my altar right now. Yes! And so, yeah, yeah. You, you probably remember that story now. I do. So, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm with you on the, the, this, whole, uh, this whole snake medicine is powerful, powerful medicine for sure. Yeah. And how many times can we shed our skin? Because, again, in society, it's like, don't shed your skin too much. Yeah. When you become a wife, okay. When you become a mother, okay. Right. Everything else, new dream, new yeah. identity, new direction, want to go travel, want to like do something that's completely out of your comfort zone, want to break up with that person, you know, like whatever it is, we're constantly shedding skin, but yes, we're we here to stay the same. And that's not the death life, death cycle that we see in nature and seasons. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. Don't ever change. <laughs> Don't ever change. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> so like, I'm totally seeing a series here. We're going to have to have more conversations because our time is like flew right by. Before we go though, we have to hear about your, your new offering. We have to hear about her, her medicine. Yeah, it's still churning, honestly. It's something that during my breakdown, my work is like I've been talking about, it's about voice and visibility with women. But what actually, besides storytelling, what actually helps us become more vocal and visible and live the lives that we want to live? And I started to think about all of the medicine that we're given from men. Mm-hmm. How to do how to do life, how to do business, how to do health. And so I was like, what if we really honored the feminine principles? And talked about that and explored that because so many of us have gut instinct that is so right on. And we're like, we don't want to do it. 
we don't want to market the way that person's telling us to market. I'm right. This is an example for that, but it could be anything. Sure. Uh, sure. We don't want to do it that way. We feel this gut instinct to do it another way. And we're told not to trust it and to override the thing that will actually bring us the fruit. And right. Right. So her medicine is about bringing that back into circle and having sharing that with other women because mm. when we're everything is, I do is in circle. Everything I do yeah. has women witnessing one another because when you're really seen, not just looked at, yeah, which is what we're taught taught to be looked at, but when we're really seen by other women, we grow. Yeah, and that's and, and that's how we're changing the world right now. We need to so, be circling up all over the place for yes, sure, all over. Happening. Yeah, because that's that is how we're going to unravel from all of the bullshit, and that is how we're going to allow ourselves to blossom and unfold instead of staying small, instead of staying afraid, instead of feeling like we're alone. I mean, there's a reason why the patriarchy wanted to separate us and keep us from each other, right? Because mm-hmm. when we come together, wow. I'm going to uh, I'm going to finish today by reading something that you wrote that just resonated so much. And then I'll let you go, send you on your way. Mother tongue, the voice of our female soul, the voice that is hungry to tell the truth about how you feel, what you want, what hurts, what you stand for. It is fierce. It is body-based. It is clear. It is loving. It is the voice that will lead us to our calling, our knowing, our healing. It has the fire to keep us going, even when we're afraid. It will pull us to our joy, our sacred life and work. It has our back when no one else does. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I'd love to have you come back and have a longer conversation when we when we both can do that. And I'm just so grateful for you, for the work you're doing. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Deep bows to you and what you're creating in the world. Time flew so fast. That was Christina Dunbar, storyteller, poet, and guide for women who want to unlock their voice and expression on the page, the stage, and in life. Learn more about her new offering and get on her wait list at christinadunbar.com forward slash waitlist.